0: I don't know about you, Arkid,
1: but I'm absolutely stuffed. Stick a pin in his eye, kid. <laughs> I'm done, mate. I am done. Oh, mate. Oh. The fartsitter comes, so hopefully. It will come now. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, you never thought that like a three fish finger roast would be good, yeah. would you? you? <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh wow! Was that that top one that Max and Spencer fish finger, then he's just yeah, going down to fingers, cool. and then the bird's eye <laughs> <laughs> deluxe meal, fantastic chinois, <laughs> <laughs> Christmas at Cove. Oh, it was. It were wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but,
0: but hey, I'm not a big fan of Christmas pudding. Are you.
1: No, I can. I'll go for it. Yeah, I'll, I'm hardly anything. I, I wonder where it all been. went. I, <laughs> I can't help myself. It's <laughs> the midnight munchies for me, is it? Yeah. The big ants <laughs> sculling oh, about. Oh, that's it. Well, I'll tell you what the <laughs> I've got your little present. Oh, sweetness, my there friend. You oh, there you go. Get yeah, that a look. Right. Oh, what is it? I'm excited. There you go. I can't I get it opened. Let's have a look now. Whoa, whoa! That is such a touching thought. <laughs> he's a dolphin jockey outfit and saddle. I hey, can wave d- the serfs, dude. I can be out there. You can be <laughs> out there with your dolphin. You've always had a bit of a bit of a sort of shaky relationship. <laughs> exactly, with dolphins. but now I can ride them. I'm <laughs> king of the dolphins. Yeah, that's oh silly. love that, arkin, Thank you. Is my nice pleasure. colours, and racing colours, and yeah, everything. Racing colours. Your dog There's no little size. stick though, where's not Little like jockey no, stick. No, I. I, I I'm going to get you like a little crop to go with Yeah, it, you yeah they they might you, you, don't want me, you don't mean don't want me doing that with Dolphins You've got to be a little bit careful, you know <laughs> You don't want to turn it against me oh, I can't wait to try it out uh, I think it'll have to be tomorrow I'm going to yeah, finish we'll my branding we'll You're off in that outfit now, now Not with that belly <laughs> Open yours, Akin i I've what got you, you got one too oh, oh, this is cool Especially a bit of help from robot with this oh, one Let's have a look at this and stuff like that, is that uh, Oh mm. it's, it's a Luger <laughs> you, you, you've got my hand gone? <laughs> well, wow Well, Pete said it, it's not too hot It's never go, gone into deep, nasty kind of scenarios or all like. it's, it's quite clean It's quite clean but it's the word on the pier It's going to get gnarly this next year, my oh, friend Wow It's apparently the French You know, it's the French fisherman French <laughs> We've got we to get a bit of a tool handy, you know what I mean well, It's a bit mucky, is it? So i better give it a little bit of a cleaner yeah, Give it a bit yeah. of a <laughs> polish oh, no, <laughs> Jesus Did I you bloody loaded <laughs> He shot a bauble <laughs> Righty, I think I better put this to one yes, side. Yes, you know Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll clean it another it. day. I keep, keep it handy, uh, though. But thank you very much. Not a problem, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> Merry Christmas, <our> kid
0: well, <laughs> well, the thing is now, you see, because obviously here we are at Kraken Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar oh, Why? And I'm Matt, uh, and I'm Benny, and we're going to cast out for some stories, some Christmas casting. Oh, Christmas casting! Yes, yeah, so, delicious. And we might have a little bit of a uh, little bit of something extra towards the end of this as well, because it's I'm a, I'm a great fan of the tradition over like a, a scary spooky Christmas story oh, as well I do and love it's yeah so it's, it's, not a, it's not a real story to, it's a made up story but, but it's, it's the good. best
1: ones isn't it the yeah, M.R. James and all them ones are absolutely fantastic yeah. tales of terror at Christmas well, that's the thing so hopefully
0: I might have a little bit of something like that later on we'll see how we're going mm, eh? lovely lovely but for a bit of standard casting now a bit of the mm. usual stuff with maybe a little bit of a Christmassy twist let's see what I've got in my sack <laughs> 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 oh oh <laughs> Story We've got here, you know, it's, uh, it's something that's been in the news It caught my eye. And I thought it's a bit of a shame, really, because you know, we all like our presents, we all like our bits and bats. But it's, this is somebody losing something,
1: all right? Yeah,
0: and this is son wins US lawsuit after parents destroy his porn collection. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, how big is this gonna be? Yeah, exactly.
0: A man who sued his parents for getting rid of his pornography collection has won a lawsuit in Western Michigan and can seek compensation. Yeah. And this is from the Associated Press in Michigan, is the story, (laughs) you know. So, the US District Judge, Paul Maloney, ruled in favour of David Working. I said, working. (laughs) (laughs) Who said his parents had no right to throw out his collection. He lived at their Grand Haven home for ten months after divorce before moving to Muncie, Indiana. I wonder why he got
1: divorced. (laughs) He's got a huge
0: porn collection. (laughs) I've got no idea. You have to have a bloody understanding why, you know. Working said boxes of films and magazines worth an estimated $29,000 were missing. So that's £21,500.
1: Oh, he's into something specialised there, isn't he? I mean, he just...
0: Yes, I think he must be.
1: I mean, magazine, how would you
0: guess how much of porn mags, because I'm sure like, there's not many about anymore, unless yeah. it's some sort of weird vintage thing.
1: Know, like a fiver or a tenner or something, it's like... I
0: don't know, we have it to replace, I mean, y- y- let's face it, yeah. it used to be if we wanted wank mags when we were kids, we just went <laughs> down the local
1: <bramble> patch, didn't <laughs> you? <laughs> yeah. Don't giggle, yeah, oh, you little little giggle. With your stick, you didn't touch it, That like, oh, flip it, it's a wet pig, <laughs>
0: A mate of mine called Mike, he uh, he once saw brand new jazz mag in the road, had either been tossed or fallen from a car, right? <laughs> and he and he, he as he was dri- <laughs> he saw as he was driving along it like running And he actually did, did a U-turn, right? And he, without stopping the car, he kept, kept driving, he just opened his door, right? <laughs> and
1: just scooped it. Oh my fantastic. <laughs> Scooped him. I, like, I just imagine seeing him doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you look at it with me. Is that a Razmag out there the Gary. burning rubber. Go on, son. <laughs> <laughs> he got it. He oh. crashes into a lamp post. Yeah. All for a used Jazzmag. Yeah. You know? mm. <laughs>
0: but anyway, back to this guy, back to um, <laughs> David Wanking. I mean, David Working. <laughs> so, um. There is no question that the destroyed property was David's property, Maloney said. Mm -hmm. Defendants repeatedly admitted that they had uh, destroyed the property. So they they did say, yes, we've destroyed his mucky collection. (laughs) Destroyed as well? Yeah. So Working's parents said said they had a right to act as his landlord's. Defendants mm-hmm. do not cite to any statute or case law to support their assertion that landlords can destroy property that they dislike. Uh, so they're wrong. They said, oh, we can do this with the landlords. They yeah, said, oh, yeah. no, you can't. So Maloney told both sides to file briefs on the financial value of the collection. The court does not intend to hold an evidentiary hearing. So, what they're basically saying is, you know, they're, they're going to sort of like uh, go through and
1: catalogue everything he's got, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Reader's Wives. Yeah. <laughs> All the 25 thing. Escorts. That's Two Fiestas. 1,000 Razzles. Razzles <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <what> were quite.
0: <laughs> but you know, I mean, the thing is, is he still at their
1: house? Oh, I'm mean, face facing. Christmas is going to be really awkward this year, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Jesus, he said ten months or didn't it? So he he went in and out by sounds of it. Yeah. But my God, what an embarrassment! You know what I mean to go to court for it and oh, that. No, he's got no
0: shame, has he? Oh. I mean, basically now because all his parents will know, or parents' friends will know they'll be like going oh what's happening they're going through a court case oh god it's the working family Mm -hmm. and oh god it's because they've ruined his jazz collection
1: (laughs) but still 25 grand how do you tot up such a number that's an insane that's amount a of, cash. Lot
0: of cash. And man.
1: how do you prove that as well? Did he do like list it out? You know how
0: and you, that's the thing, you'd have
1: had to do some sort of inventory to prove just how many of his grumble mags has been burned oh out, or my, videos. How but, much did he love them, You know what I mean? Surely after that addiction you think, Christ, I'm free, you know what I mean? Let me try yeah. without them, but you're like, No, I need them. Well the thing is with the internet, surely you surely don't need that bloody yeah what's going on. Specialised in it Special. Well that's well, free
0: well, that? I, well no not necessarily Something I'd heard now Is where the um, Porn film industry Is going to make money uh-huh. You can Pay To have specialist movies Made for you Alright So you have your own little Sort of like Kink and Your that. own kink yeah. Yeah, yeah And the one I heard I can't remember I heard about it There's one guy And he's basically known as The Stamp Man Right mm-hmm. Not for the reasons you think Right Um, He has a very expensive stamp collection, right? Oh. Or in various books. And his thing is, he's posted each one of these books to, to a, like one Of these magazine companies, and yeah. says, I want you to film a very sexy girl, sort of demeaning me, telling me off of this old stamp collection movement, yeah. and destroy the stamp collection that book of the stamp collection, which is worth a lot of money in itself. Oh, wow. But he's paying sort of like maybe I don't know what five, six, seven thousand dollars to have this film made so that he can sort of like spank one off over this particular, oh, and see it over
1: and over, yeah, and over again. yeah. And, God, it's, that's disturbing. and
0: he's like being he's like one of those sort of top customers, and even like other people make movies. Have you uh, have you been in touch with the Stamp Man? Yeah, I've done two of his books. Wow! Yeah. Right.
1: At least it's a bit more upmarket, isn't it, Alan? One bit they were farting on birthday cakes and stuff like that. What? And <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> there's quite an old one. Is it? At least about ten what year really? old. you am like Bra- I'm sure it was a Brazilian thing when they were like getting a you know like a, you know quite a hefty sized woman and she'd squat on a cake. Touch cheek to cake and then do let off a massive ripper. Well so is, is a candle still lit? No. It could cause injury though. It could fuse your shuts, couldn't <laughs> it? It could it like, could seal the valve. <laughs> 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 no hers were just like all icing were flying about everywhere and watching part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did a little bit of studying on that, but it wasn't it wasn't my sort of thing. Maybe that's what this guy's doing then. Yeah, There's all sort of, like special birthday cake fart parties that's been going on. <laughs> or maybe he's the stamp man. Or maybe he is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, really, that guy's Christmas is ruined, isn't it? You know, he <laughs> yeah. can't be going around there. But he's not the only one who's got Christmas ruined. Aww. So what we've got here is that the Stonehenge Winter Solstice has been, it's been banned. Had to get people are allowed to go to the uh, Stonehenge. Because of the old Rona? Because oh. of the, the old Rony Rona. Yeah, the coronavirus. Man. So this is a story from BBC News. And it's Stonehenge Winter Solstice ban, criticised by Senior Druid.
1: <gasps> no wonder though. It's just fucking. You can go anywhere, really, can't you? Know yeah. what I mean? Uh, all right, your pub's are sure but you can go out supermarket. You can go out bloody garden centres and all that. Can't go into the middle of a field. Surely they can social distance. Well, that's the thinking, you know. Should have a look. Let's have a look at yeah. the story,
0: you know. So, English Heritage is using the COVID crisis as an excuse not to allow people to celebrate the winter solstice at Stonehenge. A senior druid has said, and this druid. <laughs> his name is King Arthur Pendragon <laughs> oh, yeah, said the ancient stone circle should be open as other places of worship are which yeah, I can kind of agree, absolutely do, agree. agree with absolutely yeah. agree he's
1: outside as yeah. well
0: I mean he's not looking very happy is he look there he is look. Ooh crikey <laughs> <laughs> he
1: doesn't look happy at all at does all that hair he can't <laughs> he's tight.
0: a bit of a woolly chap he <laughs> looks like
1: Ulysses <laughs> <laughs> he does he's got a look yeah <laughs>
0: But English Heritage maintains it cannot host the usual celebrations at the prehistoric monument on the 21st of December due to safety concerns. Mm. The sunrise at the stones will be live-streamed this year instead. Now, for pagans, the winter solstice is an important event as it welcomes the new sun. It's also the day of the year with the least sunlight, and that was last... Monday was that, oh, so right. that was you know, it was the twenty first. Oh, so yeah, yeah. It just gone you know and, it's, and that. Oh, missed that. it. I, mean, know, I don't like yeah. that. Normally yeah.
1: know it's happened, but it's totally blanked it this year. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the
0: thing. So the event usually attracts crowds of up to five thousand people. I bet they're a right bunch, do <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> <laughs> and it took the um, an English heritage said it took the decision in the interest of public health, following advice from Wiltshire Council and Wiltshire Police. However. Mr. Pendragon, <laughs> argued, you can't get more COVID secure than you can in the middle of a field. He said he will still observe the sunrise as close as legally possible to the stones from adjacent lands. He's going to go well, stand well in a yeah. yeah, I think so. He said, it's very frustrating that English heritage are using the COVID crisis as an excuse not to open Stonehenge. Oh, so they said English heritage will not allow us into Stonehenge and they haven't all year. But as he says here, he says you've opened other places like temples, mosques, church and synagogues. It's disgusting. If b- you can't be socially distanced in the field in Salis- Salisbury Plain, where can you be?
1: Exactly. I don't. I do not get that. At all that is. It's, I think he's. Um, I think It's, it's discriminatory. Massively. Yeah. That's really bad. Is that
0: Arthur Pendragon and all these little muckers should be out there now scampering around naked <laughs> like they <laughs> on a little fire. You
1: never know. It might be keeping England together though. Those kind of you know rituals or something. Yeah, we, we need all the so help
0: good. we can get. We, we do. We've got to throw everything at it, yeah. though, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> that's what
1: need to do. <laughs> Get them round, just come on, Lord, give them a good dance. <laughs> <laughs> you need, oh, can't get yes, you stuff. You're the goat, come in and hunt it. <laughs> 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 we, that, we've got that a good call back. <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day, that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, maybe all these things we need to sort of like tap back into it, because, again, as the there'd say, we when you attack nature, nature fights back in its mm, own ways. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. a climate crisis. This is one of the reasons they do say that, actually, us attacking the, the, uh, the nature and going up against it yeah. that's what creates COVID because wow. you find novel viruses by going into places like uh, jungles, forests uh, you know, a place where you kind of we shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. This thing's lurking in the in the darkness, in the darkness. Yeah, which we are not got the immune system to fight off. Fairly true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. So Get him out to
1: there. I'm gonna get me robot. Yeah, get dancing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Pendragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what he calls his Winky, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Little Archie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, on a similar sort of theme now, um, we've got another story about that kind of strange, mythical, mystical side of things. Ooh, pray tell me, really yeah. dear. So we've got uh, an amateur archaeologist claims the Holy Grail could be hidden under a river in Hounslow. Wow, under a river. That's right. So this is written by Chris King for a for a website called Euro Weekly News. He thinks this guy, um, it's called Barry John Bower. He thinks that there's going to be a secret crypt hidden under a river in Hounslow. So I, I don't know who's he's come across this, but. What he says is from Cinderford in Gloucestershire is Barry Bower, right? (laughs) And he's an amateur archaeologist who is convinced he has uncovered the hiding place of the legendary, mysterious Goblet, Mm -hmm. the Holy Grail, under a weir in the Duke of Northumberland River in Hounslow in Essex. A weir? A weir. (laughs) Weir's the weir.
1: (laughs) Cheap. Sorry.
0: The cup is said to be the one Jesus drank from during the Last Supper and which Joseph of Arimathea used to collect his blood at the crucifixion and is reputed to have magical healing powers. So Mr Bower has spent years researching the Knights Templar, an ancient order of monks who were historically reputed to be linked with the grail and claims they used Hounslow Heath for training before heading off for the Crusades <laughs> to the Holy Land, bringing back, treasure, bringing back treasures, and burying them in a crypt where the man-made river now runs. All right,
1: so it's a man-made river. Has he got any evidence here? Is he kicking out? So speaking to the sun, Bower says... <laughs> to the sun? <laughs> when I find it, it's going to be one of the greatest finds in history.
0: The biggest discovery of mankind. Now I've been in the water, it's made me more certain. It feels hollow. It feels right.
1: There's something underneath. Arp. So why not, Hounslow? <laughs> and I just think. So come he's on. doing his evidence, he's just been paddling about in the river. He's for a paddle. <laughs> and he's thinking. Ooh, Ooh the warm. Holy Grail's under yeah, here. My feet are telling me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder you're an yeah. amateur archaeologist because you're shite.
0: But get this the Environment Agency has agreed to Bauer's request to temporarily divert the river in order to be able to search for the crypt under the weir with specialist equipment he is invested in, saying, Finally, I am certain this is the right spot. I am certain there will be a vault beneath the surface with the Grail inside and other treasures
1: from the Crusades he's off his head specialist equipment a shovel <laughs> <laughs> and a torch <laughs> <laughs> I brought some sandwiches <laughs> God they could to <I> divert no <laughs> I think
0: what's happened is he's phoned up the environmental agency and he says I've, I found the holy grail under a river I'd like you to divert the river uh, and then I'll have a bit of a dick yeah. and they've said of course we will, Mr Barry John Bower. <laughs> we'll move the river for you, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll do it but next. To, yeah, it? we'll do next and you'll be ready then, won't you? You have your sandwiches and your torch and your shovel ready, won't you, Mr. Bower?
1: Oh <laughs> you <I> will. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll see you... bye bye John. Bye. Bye bye. Oh that's a, he's putting these uh, all these eggs in one basket there. <laughs> <with> it, <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it's like I Are wish him
0: thought, luck. I, hope, I, mean, I wish him luck. I mean, if he founds it, we'll look stupid, won't yeah, we? Yeah,
1: I hope we do, though, because I always say, like, King Arthur will come back when England's in need. And oh, we need. We do <laughs> we, we really do. need. Nah, that's
0: it. That's why we need, what, like, Arthur Pendragon. That's what's his name, yeah. King Arthur's second name. Oh, they
1: should team up, shouldn't they? What, Arthur Pendragon and Arthur Pendragon? No, that. Oh, man. Barry John Bower. <laughs> and King Arthur Pendragon. Yeah, man, what a team. <laughs> what a double act.
0: <laughs> Both equally barking, yeah, man. <laughs>
2: Heerlijk land van mijn dromen, ergens lief ver dan dan,
0: waar ik zo graag wil komen, daar waar geen leeg kan bestaan. What I'd like to do now, though, is come away from them and continue with my little sort of... Um, I did did a little thing on the um, on, on sort of, like, traditions. Old oh, like yeah. traditions at Christmas and Ooh, stuff like this, okay. you know. So I've got another one here, and this is by um, Jude Rogers for Wales.com. And this is the Mary Hred, I think it is. I think ah. that's where it's, it's kind of pronounced. A bit of a funny one, is this? Oh, Mary Hred. Ooh. In the darkest months of the Welsh year, a white horse appears, the mysterious, menacing Marie Hluid. You'll never forget the moment you first see one. She has lights or baubles for eyes. Her mane is made of colourful streamers of holly or ivy. A white cloak falls from her skull which is attached to a pole which is held by a person inside it. They control the character's mischievous nature. Often snapping their bony jaw at you. <laughs> oh, would you like a little look oh, at her? One? Yeah, yeah. Look at that scary
1: mother. Oh, look at them gnarly teeth. They've got them proper goofy horse teeth. Loads missing. Says you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be me. Oh, that's horrible, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it?
0: You know. So, the origins of Mary's name, like the horse herself, are deeply mysterious one welsh translation of it gray mare connects to the heritage of pale horses in celtic and british mythology many of whom can cross over to the underworld so rhiannon in their mabinogion rode a white horse for example right so it's like one of a very ancient story that this white horse could be sort of like that what transports people between the realms well death rides a pale horse The other translation for Marie Hued is Grey Mary. Some scholars have linked her to a legend connected to the nativity story. A pregnant horse sent out to the stables when Mary arrived to have Jesus. She spent dark days roaming the land trying to find somewhere new to have a foal. Many Marie fans believe the character to have come from pre-Christian pagan origins however. This is impossible to prove, but there's definitely something timelessly terrifying about her. Now the question is, what does Marie Hluid do? Marie is taken round a village traditionally, often between Christmas Day and Twelfth Night. She is dressed with festive lights and decorations, and usually accompanied by an ostler. And in some regions, like Istradinglas in the Swansea Valleys, other folk characters, like a jester and a lady... So this brings the tradition closer to the uh, to the mummers, you know, mummers plays and the strange things. Again, a little bit like on um, Wicked Man, like we said the last week. Ah, weekend, yeah. Is these yeah. strange performances where the actual meaning of some of it is lost in in the sands of time? Why things happen? Yeah, and Why they're yeah. done? But a bit you like
1: rent a ghost. Yeah, a bit like rent a ghost. <laughs> I'm on track, actually. Yeah, that's all right then.
0: <laughs> so um when <laughs> some of the groups get to a house they sing welsh language songs and wassails or more traditionally indulge in a ritual called pwinko it's an, ex- an exchange of rude rhymes with the person who lives there <laughs> right cool. so if the marry a gang gets entry the household is said to have good luck for the year the marry is a well-known to be mischievous trying to steal things and chase people she likes as she goes about her bidding. <laughs> so she'd come into your house, right? So people go, oh, he's going to be lucky. Lucky for bloody Mary Glewyd, <laughs> because she gets to run around nipping asses of who she <laughs> likes and nicking
1: stuff. <laughs> it sounds bizarre.
0: But the first written record of the Mary Glewyd is in J. Evans' book from uh, 1800, a tour through a part of North Wales, right? Right. Mm. It has similar similarities to other hooded animal customs in Britain, like the hoodening of Kent, the broad in the Cotswolds, and the old tup in Derbyshire.
1: So, like all hooded animals, where there's a blanket over their head type of
0: thing. Well, I think what it is, it's, it's almost like yeah, it's a little bit like that. Where they must have some sort of you know they have, they have a gown over them or wow. covering their heads and stuff like some that. Big similarity. Yeah, it's very weird, isn't it? You yeah. know. So it, but the uh, these sometimes involved a group of poor people trying to find money and food in the harsh depths of the winter. So mm-hmm. I suppose it was some sort of almost like spiritual entertainment to turn around and say, "Oh, can we have some food and drink because we've got this sort of like god yeah. creature with us?" Yeah, sort it was of like thing, penny you know. for a
1: guy, but penny for a yeah. cloaked horse's head.
0: Exactly. So because it was entertainment was what they were doing, but yeah. with a side portion of menace. Because ah. there's a dead horse's skull appearing in the shadow of your door. Yeah. You know <laughs> that
1: chomping at you.
0: So I think it looks like since sort of like the Welsh Methodists and other Christian nonconformists, they kind of they had a go at this. They yeah. said, Oh, you shouldn't be doing any of that. It's all mm-hmm. really it's all pips sort up of out of the Blasphemous. Well, yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, they said he uh, There's the Reverend William Roberts called um uh, Mary Chloed, uh, sinful in his 1852 book The Religion of the Dark Ages <laughs> I bet that's quite a good read actually <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, I mean? so, and they've been I want to go with it over the years and it's sort of, but like even then it sort of started to die out and people weren't doing it and I suppose with, the, with stamping out of the Welsh language in a lot of places mm-hmm. so the, the traditions were also sort of like yeah. put down as well which I think is a crying shame but only a few processions or married processions were left in the 1960s including in Penhred uh, near Bridgend and Pentrich near Cardiff. But later that century, Tristan Folk Club revived the tradition.
1: Oh, on, yes. As
0: did a family in Hlang, Hlang- near uh, Maesteg. They'd really try me out, here. I'm yeah, spitting all over the do place. Really well, <laughs> there, you're right. Who still visit the old house inn in the village where they're married t- with their Marie today. So three generations of landlords have now hosted them. Excellent. So other popular celebrations also happen in the new year at Chepstow. After a break in 2020,
1: mm. so obviously there's
0: not much happening anywhere. So, Gellionan Chapel, in a mountains on a mountainside near Pontadawi, Pont Llan Soy, in rural Monmouthshire. Dinnes Mordy, and at the London Welsh Centre, Marys, are also popping up at local midwinter events. Lantern festivals and wassails, their baubles glowing in their eyes, the tradition shining with new life. So, don't have nightmares. Let yourself be taken in by the darkness and go with Mary Clwyd
1: towards the light. Wow! <laughs> well done for the accents and the Well done.
0: You did really well there. It's bloody murder, that <laughs> one.
1: <laughs> I got stuck on first I know,
0: oh, it's, it's, it's hard work, but you know, it's
1: it's it's good stuff. I love all those traditions. Yeah, that's amazing awful that they, you know they're just disappearing and so many are disappeared not it we just yeah. uh, it's, it's, we need to cling on to them.
0: Yeah you need to because there might be there might be some sort of part of the culture which you know we don't really fully understand but it's still sort of it's still I think it's still very important. Yeah, you know yeah, you've got definitely. to fold these things up yeah. <laughs> Getting colder in the cove oh now, you see? Yes. Like no
1: snow yet, but yeah, oh it's you it's can see almost tasting it. air, can't yeah, you? Know.
0: and I think there's different ways you can actually cope with the cold. You know, you can sort of, um, you can just get wrapped up warm and sort of, mm.
1: you know, you can braid it out, yeah, yeah. Like, mm.
0: But you see, back in the day, the early humans
1: didn't have all that option, did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just running know. around in buff and yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> with your tallywhacker out chasing <laughs> the bison. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: of course, there's no food and things. You know, things are going to get a bit harsh. Yeah. But what they've found now is early humans may have survived the harsh winters by hibernating. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So they're saying seasonal damage in bone fossils in Spain suggests Neanderthals and their predecessors followed the same strategy as cave
1: bears. Wow. Right,
0: and this is from Robin, uh, Robin McKee, the science editor at The Guardian. And he says, bears do it. Bats do it. Even European hedgehogs do it now it turns out that early human beings may also have been at it. They hibernated, according to fossil records. Evidence from bones found at one of the world's most important fossil sites suggests that our hominid predecessors may have dealt with extreme cold hundreds of thousands of years ago by sleeping through the winter. The scientists argue that lesions and other signs of damage in fossilised bones of early humans, as the same as those Left in the bones of other animals that hibernate. These suggest that our predecessors coped with the ferocious winters at the time by slowing down their metabolisms and sleeping for months. Cool. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so, these conclusions are based on excavations in a cave called Cima de la Huesos, oh. um, which means the pit of bones. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Slept too long. Yeah, exactly. At Atapueca, uh, at, at near uh, Burgos in northern Spain.
1: Was Spain chilly about then? Well, everything was, yeah. In England, you know <laughs> 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 well, the, the whole Europe
0: was obviously ah, ice yeah. ages and things yeah, like this, yeah. you know, so that'll be what it is.
1: And what were the? You said lesions on the bones. Is that where you like bedsores? Nearly, you like you well, laid it, there too long. It
0: will be damaged, but what it be? I don't think it would be from that. I think what it is a case of um, there would be damage caused by the fact to be the lack of uh, nutrients going into the body, ah. so it will leave sort of damaging sort of things yeah. like sometimes rings or marks or so yeah, sorts of okay, like things like that. Yeah. As far as I can tell, anyway, you know. Yeah. So over the past three decades, the fossilised remains of several dozen humans have been scraped from the sediment found at the bottom of this vertiginous 50-foot shaft that forms a central part of the pit of Atapuerca. The cave is effectively a mass grave, say researchers, who have found thousands of teeth and pieces of bone that appear to have been deliberately dumped there. These fossils date back more than 400,000 years wow. and were probably from Neanderthals or their predecessors. So this is quite a clever idea as well, I, I'd imagine this, because you know if you've got somebody, one of your party dies, yeah. and you know, if you think about it, there's a big black pit it might be almost like Sending them to the underworld Might know, There might be, you know? yeah, there might be ceremony yeah. 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 And it also occurs okay, Well you don't want Anything hanging around Like that Like yeah. a, a decomposing person well,
1: You don't have to dig an old, Do you? you? You don't have, have the to dig There's already <laughs> one <laughs> <Yeah>. there <laughs> See you bye <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Laters <laughs> Because again You don't want things like Saber tooth tigers Or sort of like um, the cave bears going. Yeah. Like smelling them out Because yeah. if you've ever seen The cave bears For Old cave bears How big they get They oh, get like about Three times bigger Than big yeah,
1: it's it? me anyway, mate. I know I didn't you hear you a by bear. a bear. Can you be beaten up by a oh, bear? Oh, do just get chased? You know, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, what can you do? You can't do anything. We well, can't climb a tree. You can't yeah. do anything. Can't you swim. you no? can't swim. No, no, you're doomed. Ah, you're you just do. You just lay there. And just, yeah. just say this bit's good. Tuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, big lad. Like do That's the only thing I could think of doing. People <laughs> love it.
0: You're not know, bears, like dirty bastards. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, these, um, these studies have said that they, um, they suggest these early humans found themselves in metabolic states that helped them to survive for long periods of time in frigid conditions with limited supplies of food and enough stores of body fat. So they're saying, you know, but they hibernated and this is recorded in... Disruptions of bone development. Right, so yeah. it's almost like, uh, you know, like if, you, if you've got like rings of a tree sort of thing. Yeah,
1: that makes real sense, yeah. 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 just suddenly that layer stops or, or you yeah, know, yeah, they yeah. might find uh, like Stunty, a week. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: it sort of thing. It says the research admits the notion may sound like science fiction, but points out that many mammals, including primates such as bush babies and lemurs, do this. This suggests that the genetic basis and physiology for such hypometabolism could be preserved in many mammalian species, including humans. So, what the suggestion there is saying is, could be in us, this state might be there. Yeah. We just have to refine it.
1: I think um, people, is it sad or that Le- um, like
0: Oh, yeah, season-affected di- disorder, yeah. is it? I yeah. Some
1: people really suffer from that, and I think they're the people who just get hunker down and just sleep it out they nearly want to do it yeah, they Yeah, something so much I find winter quite cosy but I love me sleep <laughs> 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 I really could do three month lie in Benny loves the snoozles <laughs> <laughs> tuck me up our kid <laughs> <laughs> that thing really hammered though before <laughs> I know that's the thing can I,
0: maybe that's what the Christmas feast the original Christmas feast was you yeah. just had a really big dinner you had a load of piss yeah. and, then <laughs> and then you just had a little nap and you wake up in sort oh, of May yeah yeah
1: <laughs> ooh spring little bunnies and stuff okay, comes yeah. out can I imagine all that bloody cave would smell like that i do this Christmas farts for four months He <laughs> killed it with a cave bear the springtime when we tacked the road once For the planting and the pearling
2: And the berry fields of blair, We'll meet up with our kinfolk From all the world around When the gang of bird folk take the road And yellow's yellow's on the broom When yellow's on the broom
1: When yellow's on
2: the broom And I'll get you on the road again When yellow's on the broom
0: You know, your image of sort of like Christmas, it's it's almost the white layer on the ground, isn't it? You know, it's all lovely. But that's actually happening this year in in Australia, did you know? In Eastern Australia. It's getting snow.
1: No. Not the mountains? Probably. It's a
0: different thing. What we are getting is Eastern Australia is covered under huge amounts of sea foam. Oh, wow! But there's a big problem with it happening in Australia because obviously we know what Australia is like and this is according to News Australia by Eben Diskin. And as they describe, I don't know whether Eben is a woman or a man, I yeah. don't know the name, well, no, it matter, Yeah, but 50, 50. as they describe it, it looks like something from an otherworldly apocalyptic movie. But in reality, He's just a little sea foam, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: To be fair, it's more like an onslaught of sea foam whipped up by intense storms this week that's covering the beaches of New South Wales and Queensland, Australia. But while you might be tempted to flop right into it if you like diving into fluffy snow, hmm. you should probably think twice because sea snakes are lurking under the soft <laughs> surface.
1: God, Australia's scary. Yeah, isn't
0: it? <laughs> Although people are certainly enjoying the foam, both playing in it and taking photos of it, it's been advised to steer clear due to the presence of sea snakes, which could have gotten swept up in the foam. And there are 32 species of poisonous (laughs) sea snakes around Australia. And their bites require... Anti venom. Wow. Now, they are one of the most venomous creatures on earth, are sea snakes. Have They're they? actually quite placid. Yeah, yeah. But, but obviously, th- if you stand on one and you're yeah, knacking one around, it. belly flopping on
1: yeah. it in the sea, <laughs> <foam, laughs> <laughs> then <not>, you know. <laughs> not a good idea.
0: No. But the stormy waters are also bringing large debris to the shore, says Nathan Fife, the Gold Coast Life Saving Services supervisor at Surf Life Saving Australia. Yeah. There's been trees and things like that that have been washed up. I think there was half a cow that washed up at the beach yesterday. (laughs) So make sure what's in front of you. There are trees and logs floating around, so please be careful. And the foam is formed by the churning of seawater with algae, salts, fats and other pollutants. And it's so thick that a dog was even lost. In the foam this week at Snapper's Rock in the Gold Coast, but the dog was found.
1: <laughs> see, even a dog got lost. <laughs> lost dog.
0: Foamy fella. How <laughs> he comes. Well, just a white poodle on <laughs> it. Yeah. He just stood there. Yeah, oh, bloody hell, my dog's gone. <laughs> 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 I can't see him
1: anywhere. <laughs> i stood in his paw.
0: <laughs> so, people are also encouraged to be careful of surges of water under the foam, which aren't visible but could cause you to fall and be dragged out to sea
1: uh. why
0: is Australia so dangerous <laughs> I don't know you get a bit of sea foam and it's all nice next thing you've got half a cow hiding in it it's <laughs> eating dogs We <laughs> have got full of sea snakes oh and trees no. you could
1: get sucked out to sea to be honest I've seen pictures of it before Like I don't know YouTube shit. But um, it doesn't look pleasant doesn't that sea foam it looks have you ever rat- seen it yeah I've seen it before have you seen it just yeah, it yeah. flocks right up it looks yeah. n- I don't get any that n- it looks no, it, well it, nasty. it looks manky it, it does doesn't it's it it's like a bit brown in yeah, it yeah I see it's just I don't understand why they don't want to do it. I've seen a Whitby, that's why I saw all it. Right, yeah. yeah. I thought I did good in it Bridlington, a bit further down coast, and they had a massive storm, and I was lucky enough to be there. And The next day, it was like, you know, when the sea goes out, what's whipped yeah. up? It was the most fascinating day of my life. It went, it, I couldn't get off beach, I was loving oh, it, you know, weird shit. From, Crabs and big starfish yeah, and sort of. stuff the starfish alone are just mental were just loads of stuff to root through it. Well I'm oh. loving it. Proper loving it. But I won't be belly flopping in that shit. No. no way. <laughs> Lobster clawing your belly buttons. <laughs> <laughs> you might make it unravel and your bottom will oh drop no. off. <laughs> dragging it back up beach my arse <laughs> My beautiful arse. <laughs> <ass. laughs>
0: One of the best things about Christmas, though, you use the snows on the ground. That's mm. lovely, and things like you can't eat your dinner, can you? Oh, I love my Christmas dinner. Oh, there's nothing obvious. I mean, some people have you know have turkey and all sorts of stuff. Do yeah, you know? Yeah. Obviously, we don't. We yeah. we have our, we have three fish we can get run. <laughs> <laughs> very traditional. Yeah, Crackling exactly, it has very. got to be done. <laughs> but there was another meal. Which <laughs> but there's another meal that what I find incredibly e- interesting. You see. And this is uh, a story from Facebook, it's picked up. But I've looked at these other few other sources I've looked at here as well, but this is the one that I saw on Facebook, was very interesting. And it's about sin-eaters of a bygone age.
1: Jesus.
0: So the last sin-eater is buried in the tranquil setting of St Margaret's Church in a tiny village of Rattling Hope, Shrewsbury. His name was Richard Winslow, a local farmer who died in 1906. The citizens of Rattling Hope, led by Reverend Norman Morris, collected a £1,000 to restore Munslow's grave, which had fallen into disrepair. Although the obsolete practice of sin-eating will likely never be revived in Britain, it's certainly worth remembering. The unenviable practice of sin-eating was usually undertaken by beggars and the poor, who would pawn their souls or be paid to eat and drink over a corpse to take on the sins of the suddenly deceased oh who had been unable to confess their sins before
1: death. Oh, that is mucky.
0: Yeah. So Munslow, according to the local tales, entered the sin eating business purely out of kindness and love for his fellow villagers. Like a <laughs> he offered to absorb the sins of the recently deceased to continue a once-prominent tradition that died out during the mid-19th century. Sin-eaters were also said to prevent the sin-ridden dead from returning to earth in the form of ghosts or spirits. They were therefore generally shunned by locals as they were associated with evil spirits and witchcraft and only summoned when they were in need of their services. So only when you really needed a sin eater oh did yeah. you go knocking on beggars' door down the road and go, Terry, yeah. someone's dead and they're not set up, priest. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we've got a dinner for you. <laughs> <laughs> and we can imagine sight of it, though. I mean, I don't like people watching me eat. Yeah. So we sat there and all these people were looking and going, finish every last scrap, and go oh yeah. on. you yeah. know." So therefore, sin eaters were usually forced to keep their business shrouded in a veil of secrecy. Sin-eating is thought to have been an ancient custom. It was recorded in many areas of the UK, but mainly practised in the Welsh-English border region until it died out, uh, apart from the 19th century. Mm. So unusually, though, Munslow was a well-to-do farmer of good social standing, rather than a social outcast. It is believed that the tragic loss of four of his children at very early ages, three of whom died of scarlet fever within a week in May oh in 1870... God. They may be the reason he resurrected the macabre the ritual. The memorial stone at his gravesite commemorates these losses.
1: So I'm imagining it, you know like when you go to Japan and that, there's those weirdos in clothes and they eat the dinner off, those Japanese ladies and they're like laid out, have you seen that? They're oh, like it, Sushi yeah, yeah. all over it. Yeah. Is it like that? So they're not actually eating off the corpse. i think you eat it all, they've got the <laughs> that last bit of gravy in belly button. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I, th- I, think
0: what, I think what it's more like... I think what it's more like is the uh, the, the buried him, and I think they just set up a table and chair, oh yeah, and right. get a bit of a dinner out, pour him a glass of wine, so and yeah. they're talking bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, it's a bit of strange, really, isn't it? Really weird, is
0: on. You know, I'm not, I'm not over, I'm not over certain about that cannibalarchy. Kind of you mm. know, it's not, it's not, it's not for me, isn't that? It's not natural. You no. Know, well, I, I mean, maybe that's what the, uh, maybe that's what the buffet after a, a grave's
1: like now. <laughs> yeah, <Just> you know, <laughs> wheel you wheel him in next to Scott eggs. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Profiterole. laughs> But, No, yeah, that, I mean that's the thing isn't it, you know. I mean, but did you know that the way, what the wake, the name of wake came from?
1: Oh, I don't. No.
0: no, I think it was that people stayed awake to make sure that the, uh, the the nobody sort of took the body, or oh, oh, right. it didn't wake up. Wow, well, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, to make sure they see because obviously they did wake, then they'd sort of say, you know, he's proper dead. Yeah, in <laughs> in that's it, That's exactly yeah. it. So you know, but yeah, there's a de- there's the Death Eaters
1: for Ooh, you. Yeah. Fascinating tale, Arkin. Mm. <laughs>
2: And to some <laughs> okay. Yeah,
0: so the last sort of more festive tale I've got for you here, right, is uh, there's nothing more, as I said before, one of the most you know, people really like to eat is a is a nice bit of turkey, don't mm-hmm. they? like a bit of turkey. But this guy had a different idea, right? So this is Joe Hutto, and he's writing this for the Guardian, and it, it, he lived as a wild turkey. <laughs> <laughs> <Foxy>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did you do last summer? Well, <laughs> yeah. believe it or no, <laughs> Go on, then. gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> What's this dude doing? So
0: he, and he, as he says, my aim was to become indistinguishable from the rest of the flock, but I felt they
1: saw me as a village idiot. <laughs> yes, N- they're not the only ones. <laughs> yeah, the turkeys call you in it. Yeah. yeah, it was real, real bad. So it's his story, and this is how he kind of <laughs> describes
0: it. It says, "I started adopting young animals while still a child myself. Many were orphaned newborns, meaning I mothered a variety of creatures: raccoon, squirrel, fox, bobcat, whatever wow. came my way. I felt the animals preferred my company to that of members of their own species, and many even slept in my bed. Here we go. The <laughs> <laughs> bobcat in there. So at the time, I thought I discovered a sort of magic, but after years of studying animal behavior." I learned of a process known as imprinting, whereby young creatures become attached to the first moving object they encounter. So I was was keen to explore this phenomena further, but it wasn't until I was in my 40s that I got the chance. So in the early 90s, I was living on a large tract of land in rural Florida, working as a wildlife artist and researcher. And one day I was given a dog bowl full of wild turkey eggs by a tractor driver who'd almost driven over them. So I had to act fast, procuring an incubator at short notice and turning the eggs twice a day as a turkey hen would. Oh. I would regularly vocalize at them, recreating the puts and purrs of a wild turkey. and that would make on the nest. It's like you're all like <laughs> <laughs> in order to get the eggs accustomed to my voice so a week or so into the experiment i started to hear peeped responses from them and the first tiny beak broke
1: through oh, yeah
0: the first pulse to emerge responded immediately to my voice raising his wet head to look at straight into my eyes then he pressed his face against mine and quickly fell asleep
1: oh. <laughs> Over
0: the next few days, this process was repeated many times, though not all the chicks survived, but I soon had a family of 16 wild turkeys. All in my bed. (laughs) (laughs) I built a large pen to protect my flock from predators, complete with upright tree limbs for them to roost. At a week and a half old, they could already fly. I spent a lot of time in the pen myself, mm. <laughs> <laughs> The Popes would expect Mom to be waiting when they emerged from their roosts before dawn, and I had to be present at dusk until every one of my charges was asleep. <laughs> so he saw them all off the of bed to go oh. little snoozy turkeys. <laughs> night night turkeys. So you know, he, he dashed to bed and then he had to get up and then come down the way over there for
1: when they woke up in the morning. He's real and the Golden Grahams. <laughs> 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 He's really lonely, yeah.
0: So during the day, we explored the surrounding countryside. <laughs> I quickly became familiar with each bird's distinct personality. Little Friend, who always wanted to be by my side, Sweet Pea, who enjoyed nothing better than being held and stroked. They were fascinating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the Gobbler. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They were fascinated by every new thing they encountered, but also had individual interests. <laughs> Rosita was drawn to squirrels. Oh. Yeah. And Turkey Boy
1: to Turtles.
0: Well, why do not you call it turtle boy
1: then? Because <laughs> it's turkey boy. It's a fucking turkey. <laughs> I think he's really too much into it, isn't he? I think he is as well, yeah, he's got to yeah. Only turtles are just walking. By
0: but wild turkeys are born with an extensive language. A wildlife biologist called Lovett Williams identified and recorded almost 30 calls. I was familiar with those sounds and their meanings, and could give a lost call that other members of the family would respond to, revealing their locations or an assembly call that would bring the whole flock dashing and flapping back to yeah, me. That was good. One could
1: have... Really
0: like he must be like, he's like Turkey Boy himself, isn't he, really? <laughs> because if we could just do the turkey sort of come to me call, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, he would be popular at Christmas, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> no it's, guns or anything. It's 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 <laughs> straight to your door. Come yeah. on, Turkey Boy.
0: But while living as a turkey, I discovered their communications far subtler than I'd realised. We encountered many snakes as we explored and I was soon able to distinguish the different inflections they made to identify various species. So over time I got better at making those sounds myself, modulating my voice to reproduce the nuances as best I could. And after six months I no longer felt like the bad singer in the choir, though occasionally I'd miss call and get a very different reaction from the one I'd anticipated. (laughs) (laughs) I sometimes felt acute embarrassment at how I must appear to them, My aim was to become indistinguishable from the rest of the flock, but I felt they saw me as a village idiot. Now the project lasted for two years, this man lived as a turkey for two (laughs) years. And the turkeys grew fast, but my separation from them began when they started roosting in trees outside their pen, where I could not follow. I felt relief at having kept them alive long enough to become independent, but I did feel robbed of the hours I could no longer spend as part of the group. What were they saying up there? Eventually, they all struck out on their own, although individuals would occasionally visit. I had no direct contact with the next generation of wild turkeys. I had surrendered myself completely to their world, but then I had to learn to let go. It is a common misconception that turkeys are stupid birds. From the moment they hatched, my wild turkey family demonstrated wonder, schwa de vira, and an innate understanding of every other creature in their environment. They taught me the value of trying to live in a state of true wakefulness. They have no choice
1: but to live in the moment. He's off his tits. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they got big enough to run off and then they run off from him. <laughs> and he's like going on adventures with them and that. And you see a snake. And what's he on about? <laughs> I'm not so sure. I think he might. A point. <laughs> I hope he does, but no, he's, on he's off his head, do <laughs> not Apparently, there is actually a documentary about it. <laughs> I hope he dresses up as a turkey when he's doing it. Going <laughs> on his little adventures and that. In the right tight turkey costume. He's doing nice as snake and that. They're just not doing it. they just, just stood
0: it. around his tunic camera in his little turkey outfit. i going, oh, I've seen a cobra over there.
1: The you know, <laughs> oh, somewhere, else. oh, it's nice as stick.
0: <laughs> and turkey's out doing it. I'm <laughs> yeah, just looking at it.
1: pecking ground, They're just fucking wandering that. around being turkeys. <laughs> Bless see man. Pleasure. Two years. <laughs> Two years pretending to be a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hell, no, that's a man with too much time on his hands. Right? Yeah. You know, what it? did he do as a job with that time? <laughs> <laughs> he's money from? Just turkey wrangling. <laughs> just... <laughs> we know what he did, really.
0: He t- mm. Oh, these are all the flock. Yeah, yeah. He, did. he did was grow- just growing them up. Oh, they ran away, that's what <laughs> happened. To... Yeah, well, Christmas came along and <laughs> they all ran away. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, eating away. <laughs> he's <a> really evil flock. <laughs> <book. laughs> munching (laughs) away come here turkey boys gobble 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 (laughs) 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 he was my tastiest
0: It's getting late at Cracking Cove now, and we're mm. getting a bit sleepy out
1: here. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, we need we need a little Christmas movie on tonight, won't yeah. we? Something like that. What do you reckon? What do you fancy? We'll
1: a Die
0: Hard yeah. mm. something a bit more traditional, really. I
1: will <laughs> 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 t- tell you what, I'm a sucker for It's a Wonderful Life. That's my oh, favourite. Like that. Let's yeah. let's watch that. Yeah, one. yeah. yeah well, the black and it. white rather than colour as well for some reason. Yeah, yeah, you got I don't even know yeah.
0: colour version. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've got his twin pack. I always put black and white one on. I prefer the black and white one. Yeah, a bit of Jimmy Stewart the boy it is. in it you
0: know but you know it's a great story is that but I've got I've got my own little story now Ooh. now this is a little thing I wrote quite a while back now but um, uh, a few people who might already know it who might have read this one or, or been there when I read it out. But this is just like a little story I did that I wanted just to have a bit of a spooky Christmas feel to it. You oh, know, nice. Uh, You're you know, the like author. Yeah, I'm the author oh of this lovely. one. Oh, lovely. This is one of my own, is this one. So um, so settle down now and hopefully pour yourself a glass of something. And this story is a little bit scary. It's called The Tup. It went long before your time and a bit before your father's. And all. now I think on. You might have heard folk talk about the storms that came in summer of that year. Winds and rain like you'd not credit for the season. And then again you might not, considering what happened later. Crops were lost and trees were down from Flamborough to Market Wheaton. Though York didn't get it on account of them being on the Vale. The storm blew right over. I were about your age myself and back then I lived on a row of cottages over Lissitway that aren't there anymore. It was just me and me mam, my dad having been killed in war. So I spent more time on farms than I did at school, helping with harvest and lambing and the like, to earn a bit for me and my mam. It didn't do me no harm, I suppose, as I were always going to be in farming, and I got just enough sums and spelling to see me right, more or less. I'd usually drop down onto the beach and walk along to whichever farm would need me. From there... There were all farms then along the cliffs, none of these caravan parks full with rows of wessies shivering in the deck chairs, the soft gets. It's funny to think that they're all gone, the sea having bitten away at land right back to farms that were weighing land when I were a lad. Aye, there were all farms then, and most were sheep. There were hill stock at most, which may seem strange, but weather along there can be brutal, as you know. So weaker breeds didn't thrive, and when Donald Moss on Coldwold Farm brought in a flock of Swaledale, that it weren't too long before other farmers followed suit. It weren't long after it storms, maybe a few weeks, and I walked up to Coldwold to see if Mr Moss had any work for us. The sea was still wild, churned up a mucky brown and roaring. Great hills of black, rotting weed were mounded up on tide line with other stuff. Driftwood, torn nets, floats, and crates, and things I'd not seen before, like hundreds of dead starfish as big as plates, great green crab claws, and blown-out guts of fish that I'd never seen the like of before or since. Things from the deeps. At Coldwall Farm, I found Mr. Moss in the long field. He had a funny look about him, troubled-like. He was smoking his pipe and just staring over at fence at his flock. When I asked him what were wrong, he just says to us, If I didn't know any better, lad, I'd say them sheep had been tucked. And I knew it were too early in season for thoughts of lambing, and besides, the ram hadn't been in the field. I didn't have the eyes like Donald Moss, and he was a man who knew his flock, but I could tell there was something not right about them sheep. They looked broad heavy, too big for the season, and there was summer else. They all grazed facing the east, facing the sea. They'd be quietly chewing, then they'd lift their heads all together like, and they'd cry out, a long plaintive bleat like I'd not heard before. The strangest thing. I helped out of Coldwold Farm, out into St Norton, and there were no mistaking, the sheep were in lamb. Still Mr Moss put the ram in with him just to be sure. The next morning he were horrified to find it dead. The sheep had killed it, bitten it and trampled it. He were heartbroken with Mr Moss. That ram had cost him 200 quid, which were a fortune back then. I soon saw that it weren't just Coldwall Farm that were having trouble with sheep. All along the coast it was the same on every farm, all the way down to Hull. Tupped ewes and dead rams, the flocks crying at night. As the nights grew colder, farms tried taking ewes into its sheds. They were having none of it. When they tried herding them, sheep turned on dogs. Mr Moss lost his best collie when it got trapped against a wall and the ewes trampled it like they'd trampled that ram. Mr Moss had no choice but to leave him out. But though it were cooler, it stayed mild enough and sheep paid weather no heed any road. This went on to November, then December, and still it stayed mild and farmers thank the Lord. It couldn't go on. Against all forecasts, a blizzard came at night at 14th, straight off at sea. The temperature fell to minus seven, where it had been eight above all day snowed sideways building up into layer walls to height of a man's waist and our pantry window were covered by a tent all I could think of was what you was out in it and I knew Donald Moss wouldn't be by his fireside he'd be out trying to get his flock safe I had a right round with me mam and she didn't want me going nowhere but she relented and I headed out at eleven wrapped in half the clobber off at Peg if I said I weren't excited I'd be a liar. I was young and all I saw was the adventure. The sky was as mucky as a sea in a storm, brown like and filled with huge flakes blowing in off at sea. I could hear the waves smashing onto the sands from a quarter of a mile off, and I thought better of walking that way to the farm, thank God. And instead I cut off at fields, which were all thick in snow. It were heavy going, but I were a fit lad and keen too. So by half past, I'd got best way there, but that's when I heard it, and God it were awful screaming my first instinct were to break into a run. Someone were in trouble and needed help, but running in that snow where I'd go in, the cold air burned my throat. I stopped to listen to get a direction on where I should be heading, and that's when it struck me. The screams weren't right, they weren't. Human. It were a terrible sound, high, halfway to singing, if you get me. A screaming, screeching song in the midst of a blinding blizzard. Now, I'm no coward, but that racket froze us worse than cold and snow. It was like some from past, Some man were afraid a long time before. There's stuff that animals know to be afraid of without ever seeing it for, like a cat with a snake. Well, they were like that. It was something that terrified me without knowing why, and there was no way I could go on. And the worst part though, was where the screaming were coming from. It was coming from out at sea. Now I had no clue what might make that sound like that, but I had no wish to see. I were in two minds to make for Coldwall Farm and hide there till dawn, but it was then that more screaming began closer at hand from by the farm itself and I don't reckon I'm mistaken when I say it sounded like the screams were replying to screams from out at sea and there was a horrible joy in it a longing I turned and I ran and I didn't stop running till I were back at the house with me ma'am and I'm not ashamed to say I wept like a bairn by the fireside and I slept all night by half shivering like a dog Good morning I felt ashamed of myself and were determined to get to the farm no matter what the cost and I went across the fields again for now it could tempt me anywhere near the sea not after the previous night it were already thawing and a fret hung over the fields damp and miserable and everywhere were dripping water and ditches were running like streams and the thick reek of the sea were heavy in air it was because of that I didn't see the field till I were right in it and it was too late the ewe were dead, its eye glassy and tongue lolling onto its snow. Its back end were ripped open, like a scene once where a dog got into another field of Mr. Moss's and killed three ewes before he shot it. Only this were different. It looked like it were torn open from inside, and a trail of blood led away from poor beast, across field towards the sea and when I looked up I saw dozens of sheep, all the same, ripped open and dead, with drag marks leading down to the beach. I heard shouting and saw Stan Baxter, one of the farmhands, running over at fields towards us, waving for me to get away, to go home, and I saw poor old Stan were crying hard. So I ran to him and he said how it we were awful that night. He said how Mr Moss had gone out into the snow to try and save the flock from the storm. They'd all gone out. But when screaming started, they all fled, all except Mr. Moss. So they went out again to find him. And when they did, poor old Donald Moss were raving, raving about a thing he'd seen, dragging itself through the snow. And he ran away into the night, and next morning they found him hanging in the lambing sheds. Stan Baxter so sent me home to me, mam, and later I could smell burning. And that night I could see fires on the horizon. And the fires were burning all along the coast. And later, ministry men came round to farms, and paid out compensation, but it weren't much. Most farms quit, and in time, the sea took them farms. Anyone round here that remembers what happened pretends they don't, and I, that included me, until them storms came them three months back. And I wonder, have you noticed the lasses round these parts of lake? There's not one of them who ain't blooming. And I see him walking on the cliffs sometimes, alone and sometimes in groups, just looking out to sea. And maybe it's no, I'm just saying. Still, you keep an eye out, lad. And if the snows come, you stay indoors.
1: Oh, mate! <laughs> 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 well done, dude. Jesus, that got me. Especially in me, I just like twitch like what? The lassies! <laughs> 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 oh, doubly spooky because we've been on about see you know, wildness yeah. and <laughs> Altsea, Forsom and jetsam and such. Jesus, that was very good, man. Very, very good. <laughs> oh, a Christmas cracker. Well, I
0: hope you guys all enjoyed it as well. And it just leaves me to say, like, have a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Hopefully, we'll be seeing you in the new year.
1: Ah, you certainly will, yeah. It's a, it's a big Benny year. Merry Christmas and God bless everyone. <laughs> 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 See you guys. There are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at Kraken
0: Cove Podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at Kraken Cove. Or Instagram at Crack'n Cove.
2: Ha ha!